Welcome back to another episode of Ecumenical. My name is Peter Holm, and today we're going to be talking about indulgences. All right, before we get started, please make sure that if you like this stuff, smash the like button on the video, make sure to subscribe to the channel, comment down below whatever you got in terms of the likes and the dislikes and the critiques and what else you want to see other topic ideas i appreciate the topic ideas that's what today we're doing another one of those episodes for one of the comments we got on the first video there and that's why we're going to talk about indulgences all right our goal is to make sure you understand the catholic faith and you can live the catholic faith it's clear enough for you to be able to maybe even tell other people maybe for you to even give them the resources so they can learn on their own whatever it takes right share this video and we'll go from there. So today, indulgences. All right. These are the things that, you know, Luther uh, left uh, the Catholic Church over, right? Because uh, they were just buying their way out of hell, right? That's what was going on. No, that's what we're going to correct today, right now, right now, right here. Indulgences are according, and we're going to look at the Baltimore Catechism today because it's going to be the most clear and concise definition of what an indulgence is. So let's just take it from definition first. And we'll build on this whole topic from there. Now, an indulgence is the remission granted by the church of temporal punishment due to sins already forgiven. Wait a minute. Did they say already forgiven? They did say sins already forgiven. Why did they do that? Because an indulgence only has use if you've actually gone to take confession. You've actually repented of your sins. You feel contrition for your sins. You have to want to amend your life in a way that you will never make that sin again. Ideally, that's where we all want to be, so we can be more like Christ. And when we sin as Catholics, the sacrament of penance, reconciliation as it's also known, confession, we go to Christ with the priest as our mediator, because over and over throughout Scripture in multiple places, we talk about a public confession of sins. That is just what scripture says, people. So if we're going to talk about Bible Christian thing here, where I'm going to hear complaints about why we shouldn't go and confess to a priest, take it up with Jesus and the authors of scripture who said you have to go and confess in public or you didn't confess your sins. That's just the way it is. And honestly, if you want, let me go and dig up a few references for you right now. So here we go. James 5.16, we see that we must confess our sins to one another. We can't just privately deal with God. That's not what James tells us to do. As such, there is physical and healing power we receive in public confession of what we do. In Acts 19.18, we see that many Christians go to orally confess their sins, divulging sinful practices. We see in Matthew 3.6, uh, also Mark 1.5, people confess their sins before others. We see in 1 Timothy 6.12, that there is a historical practice of confessing both the faith and sins in the presence of many witnesses. What does this mean? It means you can't go and do it on your own. Now, this is where Catholics kind of got it sorted out. And thank you to St. Patrick for making this easy on all of us, as opposed to having to do it in front of the entire congregation. As fun as that sounds, eek. he gave us the ability to actually say, hey, you know what? If you just go to the priest, it still counts as public. You have fulfilled the components, the, the requirements that were given to us from James and from Luke and from Matthew and from Mark and from Paul, we've fulfilled those requirements. And then we have the ability to take advantage of what Jesus had given to the apostles, which was the authority to forgive in his name. What does that mean? What am I talking about? Well, if you go to 
2 Corinthians 2.10, we see that Paul forgives others in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, because God says, I work through you to forgive others of sins. Now, as a layman without any ordination whatsoever, when I forgive another man, that does not mean Christ has forgiven the other man. Okay? You and I cannot speak for Jesus, for God himself. We can have an inclination, perhaps, what he may think. You and I cannot read the mind of God. That's his. And as much as a priest is ultimately working as a medium, although he cannot read the mind of God, the thing he does have is he was ordained to fulfill a specific purpose, which is to act in the person of Christ, as Paul states in his letter to the Corinthians. This is what John is talking about in chapter 20, verses 22 and 23 of the gospel, where he talks about the ability for them, the apostles, to forgive the sins of others because Christ He's literally handing it to them, okay? So we can have another whole discussion on confession if we need to, but I'm not going to go into confession anymore than what I've just stated because the key for indulgences is the fact that confession, that sacrament, has to have taken place so that forgiveness is now completed in that God says, yes, you're forgiven. But here's the problem. When we look historically at forgiveness, when God says, I forgive you, what do we see? Does he just go and forgive you and then everything's square and we don't have to do anything else? Or do we see something else? Because when we look at scripture, specifically if we're going to look at the example with David and Bathsheba and the fact that he had an illicit affair with a married woman and had her husband killed, these are all really grave sins, and then she conceived in that act, what did the prophet Nathan tell David? Do you say, hey, God thinks you're all good now because you said, hey, I know I was wrong. Please forgive me. God forgave David, but there was still punishment that had to be paid. What was the punishment? They lost the baby as a just punishment for that act where they offended God. Now, let's bring that forward a bit in terms of what happens now with you and me when we break someone else's property. What happens if they, you know, Honestly, we'll go with what are what do you owe someone else when you break their property? You owe them restitution. You have to go and fix it, provide them a new one or replace it. Get some way to make up the difference of the damage you have inflicted on another person. And even though you could say, hey, I'm so sorry now. I realize I was wrong. I didn't really mean to go and cause that harm or, or I did mean it and I'm really sorry now. I've, I've changed. Great. Does your apology put the broken thing back together? Does your apology undo the damage that was caused when you're talking about potential of physical items as well as emotional harm? Is that just all fixed and no one has any doubts anymore about your actions because you said, well, I'm sorry? No. When you sincerely go beyond just saying sorry, you ask for forgiveness, great. You can repent. You can atone. You can get right with God from the standpoint of, okay, you can get healed up. And if we're going to look at it from a medical example, we're going to sit there and say, your sin that you caused created an event that is a substantial damage to you and cuts you off from God's grace. When you go and you confess and you get those sins all forgiven of you, the end state is, guess what? You've triaged and now you're going to be okay, but you're still, you got a lot of recovery to go before you can get your baptismal garments, which were totally clean when you were given baptism you got to get those cleaned up again to make up for that damage and that stain you put all over them through your sins. 
That's what atonement is. In the same way David had to pay, in the same way we have restitution we owe for damage caused, well, now we have an obligation to make up the difference with God in all the harm that we caused, all the grace that we prevented from flowing from us to someone else. We now have to make up the difference. How do we do that? Well, that's prayers, that's penance, that's uh, whether we're talking penance in terms of fasting, or we're talking abstinence, we're talking additional readings of scripture, we're talking about giving up, abstaining from not only meat on Fridays, we talk about abstaining from other things that we enjoy, because in the end, if we can give up those physically attaching type things, we give up the temporal comforts, guess what? We can now be closer to God. We can get ourselves healed up. We can start cleaning up the baptismal garment. Now, here's the problem. What happens if you say don't atone enough and you still have stains on that baptismal garment? What happened to the man who wasn't dressed for the occasion in the parable that Jesus gives about the wedding? What happens to the man who wasn't dressed right? He gets thrown out. You have to go and get that garment cleaned up. You got to be in good working order proper shape to get into heaven because there's nothing that's defiled or impure or broken or tarnished in heaven. What does that mean? Well, if you die in a state of grace, good on you for that. But then you got some other sort of cleanup work you got to do, right? Well, that's where purgatory comes in. We're cleaning off the sins that we have committed in our livelihood to get our baptismal garments clean, get us purified so we can then walk through the gates of heaven and not tarnish heaven with our presence. Okay? Indulgences are the mechanism by which uh, any Christian can get themselves sorted out, completely cleaned up, completely rebuilt, tip-top shape, 100%, fully operational, fully graceful, with the help of God, this is not us. Indulgences are not a, a power of ours to give. Uh, just like confession is not a power of ours to give. Just like grace is not ours to give. God gives grace, sacramental grace through confession, and gives grace through indulgences. Ultimately, it allows us to clean up ourselves with his work, his help. We just accept it. And then guess what? We can be the people we need to be, as he wants us to be, in his image, actually. And we can get into heaven. Right? Okay, so indulgences, though. What does that mean? Well, there's plenary and partial, and we can then have part of an indulgence. We can have a full indulgence, which eliminates all purgatory time versus the partial, which just gets rid of some of the purgatory time, and we have to do more. Um, here's the deal, though. Um, well, I'm going to hear Protestants say, but what, you could just buy your way out of that? You could just buy your way out of purgatory? This is if they're going to even accept purgatory, mind you. And that's a whole nother topic if we want to do that. And, and people want it, tell me I'll do a purgatory episode as well. Purgatory is absolutely a thing and has been talked about from the early Christians onward, from scripture onward. It's there and it builds out of there. But uh, we'll talk about it at another point in time. Let's just go and focus on the fact right now, people are going to accuse us of saying, well, you can buy your way out. So you just have rich people, they can just buy their way out. And then you have these priests who are just taking the money and whatever. All right, here's the deal. You cannot sell grace conferring things. That's called the sin of simony. It's bad. You don't do that. That is a grave sin. That means all the people that Luther saw selling indulgences and trying to use the money themselves to do corrupt type things, Luther was correct in his assertion that this was a sinful practice. And then he went off the rails because he decides, as opposed to actually unifying himself with the Pope and the church, he decides to go a different way because, again, as I talked about in the previous episode, 
Luther decides to say that, well, because the Pope had made bad decisions and had made statements that I don't agree with, I'm going to leave the church, he says. Well, okay, well, you, that doesn't make any sense, but okay, we can see it. We can see what he did. It's because he doesn't understand indulgences fully. So you're talking about a man, by the way, Luther, who didn't actually have the full breadth of study necessary to fill the role as a priest in a way that future times would expect because he was kind of a product of what had happened to the church after the Black Plague, where some of the educational periods were shortened dramatically. And in the end, he kind of rushes through and he's full of his own vices. And it just made this really bad mixture where he decides he thinks he comes up with a better way to make himself feel comfortable. He also was a victim of abuse as a little kid. And that translated heavily to the point where he couldn't really adjust well. Now, what does that mean for indulgences? It means in the end, it's a sin to sell an indulgence. It is a sin for the priest to sell it. It is a sin for the person to try to buy it. The Council of Trent, which was held at the end of the 16th century, completely reaffirmed this. We as Catholics cannot buy or sell indulgences. We are not buying or selling our way into heaven. That is not how this works. However, do we owe restitution to Almighty God for blemishing his creation, denying grace to others through our own sins. Yes, even though we can be forgiven, we must atone. We must make amends. We must get everything back into the original state it was before we made our own stupid decisions. Indulgences are the mechanism that a Catholic can use to make that restitution in prayer, in penance, to get everything sorted back out again so we can be all cleaned up, good to go, and on the right page with God, all right? A Catholic cannot get an indulgence unless particular conditions are met. So as I keep saying, confession is absolutely essential because there's no way to get reparations or freedom from temporal punishment in purgatory if you didn't even get forgiveness in the first place. It means, okay, th there's no point. An indulgence is a waste of time. Now, in addition to confession, what else are we talking about? So here are the, the actual conditions for gaining a plenary indulgence. You must be baptized and in a state of grace, which means confession is part of that. You must receive Holy Communion each time the plenary indulgence is sought. So it combines the prayer plus the communion. Then one must go to confession several days preceding or following the indulgence action. Then you must have a disposition of mind and heart which totally excludes all attachment from sin, even venial sin, Otherwise, you can only gain a partial indulgence from an offering of a full indulgence. Partial meaning you'll get some purgatory time cut versus full indulgence. You get all the purgatory time cut and you go straight to heaven. Huh. All right. One must also pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, the Pope, and preferably one Our Father and one Hail Mary. However, any other prayers may be substituted. One must have at least a general intention of gaining the plenary indulgence. And one must perform the indulgence to work. So you do whatever you're told to do. And then, only then, do you get the indulgence to get free from purgatory. How many of us who have tried to take plenary indulgences have done all of that? Very few. And in the end, even if we've even come close to it, how difficult or easy is it to separate ourselves from sin? Really difficult, okay? Are we clear on all that now? Indulgences are not confession forgiveness is not remission of temporal punishment just because we're forgiven. We still have atonement we have to do. Indulgences are the opportunity to
to rectify the damage we've caused and to get ourselves in complete unison with Almighty God so that we can go straight to heaven versus having to go to purgatory and get cleaned up so that we meet the conditions to even walk through the gates of heaven. All right? Now, if you have questions, if you have issues, please throw them in the comments down below because this is a complicated topic. There's a lot of context here that's required to understand so you can get it. Yeah, just hit me up with any of those questions, those issues. If you have other topic ideas, hit me those topic ideas. If you like this, please smash the like button. Um, if you didn't, please tell me why, and we'll go and make new episodes on other stuff, and we'll keep building down this road to help you guys be educated in the Christian faith, in the Catholic faith, so we can be the best Catholics we can be in the image of Christ, right? That's where we want to be. So thank you all for your time. Please subscribe to the channel. Please make sure to share the video because anytime you can get this out, we really appreciate it. It's helpful for us. And otherwise, as always, I'm going to sit there and say, uh, thank you. May God bless us. The Virgin protect us. And as always, St. Joseph, pray for us. All right. Thank you. See you later.